Welcome to another edition of Stirring the Pot with Lucas Cecita. Now, quite a while ago, I had my two close uh, friends, D and Nick Talon, on to talk some baseball. And it's been so long that I thought, you know what, you know, a lot has changed. We're due for an update, so I brought both those motherfuckers back on. D, Nick, how you boys doing? What's up? What's up? Doing all right. How's it going, Luca? I have two thoughts I want to share instantly <laughs> off the top of my head. Number okay. one is that the original wheat wheat thin snack is super underrated. I ate a whole box of those just about thirty minutes ago, and it's super underrated. I just want to give a shout out to wheat thins. Number two, I have a you know that what I was about to say. That's so crazy that you're about to recommend both of our sponsors this week. Uh, <laughs> shout out to wheat thins and Michelob Ultra. No, yeah, no, but honestly, <laughs> Michelob Ultra. I wouldn't say it's underrated. It's probably you know, decently rated, but uh, having a good drink here on a Friday night. Uh, I accidentally took, did not take my medicine this morning, so that allows me to mess with the depressants of alcohol. Let's go. I, uh, I myself have a nice little beverage in front of me. It is, ooh, I splurged a little bit. So not only did I get Miller Lights, but I got like the aluminum like can bottle things. You know what I'm talking about. They're not bottles, but those those tall cans. Little screw off. Oh, a tall boy. Oh, baby. What are we talking about here? Hold on, I got it pulled up. You got a forty? Oh shit, you do have it pulled up. No, I'm talking about like uh... just like the aluminum ones with the twist off top, right? Yeah, right right there. Right there. Should we buy it on eBay right now? I hope less racist. That looks pretty racist. It's a good thing that podcasts are visual because our audience knows exactly what we are talking about. Well, the picture on the beer bottle was a beer bottle being made out of planes driving an American flag. I don't even know. It's weird. It was real. I um, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I personally think it is worth the $4 we just saw it for. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think so. That's a good price for a can. Yeah, if you're an incel. All right, boys. Well, last time, you were, last time you were on, <laughs> we talked baseball. Sure. Um <laughs> At that time, baseball was not a thing. At this time, it is a thing. So uh, I guess it's a good point. But before we get into all the, I guess, the spicy topics that are currently going on, um, let's just do a little update. How's it feel to have baseball back in your lives? D, go ahead. Uh, It's it's nice. It's, uh, in some aspects, it's nice. There's a lot of of things, and I know we're going to get to them, that are, either like annoying or just downright dumb or there's, there's just been a lot of, it's a weird season. Of course we knew that it was going to be a weird season when we found out that it was only going to be 60 games, but I mean, either way, it's good to have it back in my life in some capacity, even though my team is terrible, there's a lot of guys that are fun to watch. I think that's been fun at least. How many, uh, how many games into the season technically are what, like 30-something? A little, Some teams a little over 30. It's in that range, yeah. Okay, so we're halfway through the season now. Yeah. Is it going uh, how you guys expected or what? Uh, Nick, you go. So, first off, it's really good to have baseball back. It's funny that um, when it, it was not being played, 
I was kind of like, oh, I'll accept any form of baseball as far as Cubs performance, even if they're bad, at least we'll have baseball back. And it's just so funny how, as a fan, how quickly that changes as soon as it is back, because I've been kind of disappointed in the play of the Cubs and also um, some off-the-field stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit here. But I've got pulled up on the screen. I'm sure you guys can see that as well. So I forgot that they're even playing, and they are losing. So that's beautiful. Um no, but it, it's it's great to have the sport I love back being played. And next step is NFL. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna touch on that a little bit later as well. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to spend my afternoon yesterday at the Talon Brothers residence, and okay. Nick completely just obliterated um, the commissioner of baseball. So I'd love yeah, to he's uh, get bad. that on. On air, he's bad. Bad is nice. Bad is being I'm, generous. I almost okay. don't even know where to start, so I'm just gonna with that in out in the air. Why don't Why don't you guys kind of go back and forth and talk about that for a little bit? Well, I I'll go as far as saying he's the worst commissioner in baseball history. Um, I was. I, it's hard to say that. I guess just because of the huge scandal that came out in like what the 20s with the White Sox when people were being paid off and. All that good stuff, but um, Rob Manfred in the past like six months has tore down whatever it is that he built up, and the one complaint that he got when he would replace Bud Selig as the commissioner, what like probably close to ten years ago now, um, was that he was a big numbers guy. He was a he was like a a lawyer in some capacity. And people questioned his love for the game as far as being the commissioner and leader of the sport. So that's always been interesting. But with the way he's handled um, negotiations, just the dialogue he's had and where he talked about the trophy and the way he handled suspensions with the Astros and all of that has torn down everything um, that I had to like about him ever, which was not that much. And then also yesterday with the Mets, that thing that came out where he basically wanted them to fake protests and get back to playing so that they would avoid any scheduling issues, which now there's conflicting reports, but there was a hot mic and it's hard to, you know, work your way out of that. And he said, hey, (laughs) here's an idea. Why don't we just not play for an hour and then just come on back and play a full game. (laughs) It's a freaking rain delay. That's fine. There you go. Um, I'll say this. You could tell me like 30 years down the line, like let's say baseball doesn't make it. You could tell me that Rob Manfred was paid off to kill the game of baseball, and I would believe you. <laughs> um, he he oh, was God. sent by like big soccer or somebody. I don't know. Um, no, the dude, he's really bad. And yesterday is just like a really good – illustration of why he's so bad the fact that you have the audacity to tell players who are making a decision to like stand up for racial injustice and after such a horrific thing happened in wisconsin and he tells them like oh yeah you know you can have the players come on the field leave and and come back at like eight and play (laughs) it's Uh, not good it's it's absurd, and hopefully, honestly, that's one of those things that could lead to, like, yeah, it's time to get this guy out of here. That's yeah, the one silver lining. 
I have no idea what the process is. I should, since I talk so much shit about him, about how they would go about removing him. I'm assuming you'd have to deal with a vote by the owners and the players' union, I would have to guess. I would imagine. But I don't know if it gets to that point because uh, I don't even know. It's just hard, and he's bad. So that's all I have to say about it. He, He really hasn't made a right move in the past calendar year, maybe even more than that. Roger and Roger Goodell is happy as hell that there's another <laughs> out there that is tearing down his own game as much as he can. It's yeah, that's yeah. Roger Goodell has to be happy that all of the bad commissioner talk is not on him, and I'm sure Gary Batman's not not um, opposed to what's happening because I know people. A lot of people aren't fans of Batman. Well. Adam Silver has has been amazing and giving yeah. the power to his players, and um, that's super interesting to see because I don't know if I've ever seen him truly misstep. I know there there, there was that like Hong Kong protest whole thing that went down, but the yeah. funny the funniest thing about that is I was kind of out of the basketball game since I made a pact with myself to not follow basketball <laughs> or the Chicago Bulls until they fire their front office and Jim Boylan. Hey, you uh, can be a fan again next yep, year. Yep, so we got the fourth pick in the NBA draft. I will be following from the draft all the way until the end of next season. And it's just going to be a good time all around to be back out watching the Chicago Bulls. But he's, uh, I'm so he's excited going, for you. Uh, yeah, he's going every other year. So next year he's great. on. Year after, well, off. no, I was like <laughs> when I say diehard, like during the Derrick Rose era, Tom Thibodeau era, That's like I was era. diehard. I watched every game, and um, I even probably liked the Chicago Bulls at the time more than the Cubs, even though that's so easy to say because the Cubs were losing 100 games a year at that point. Well, not really, but that one season in 2011, I believe. Um, but I was still watching the Cubs, and I was watching more of the Bulls, obviously, because they were attempting to make a run and never really fulfilled because of LeBron and injuries and pain and suffering. But, yeah, yeah so I'm back now. I, I took, like, a, what, four-year hiatus? I need to start picking up on NBA names now, the people to come into the league. and yeah. uh, Unfortunately for you, there's not really any, like, blow you out of the water prospects in this draft, but there's a lot of good guys. There's a lot of guys that I like. So you'll be. You know what? I'm good with safety for the first pick in this new, you know, front office. I'm good with the nice little safe good pick because, I mean, I haven't been following like I said, but I'm assuming there's already some good pieces there to get started. Oh, they've got Uh, a good young core, a really good young core. I want to put it together. I I don't think that fits at all. They just drafted a point guard last year. But like, here's the thing, though. I want it. No, I get it, but I'm saying like if you want to come back and not be a miserable Chicago Bulls fan, I don't yeah. think you should want that. Well, no, the only way that was going to happen is if Jim Boylan was still the head coach underneath <laughs> the new front office. But, uh, but I don't even know how to pronounce it. I've heard it a million times on the radio. Uh, starts with a K. Help me out. Help me out. I forget. I forgot his name. I gotta look it up. Hold on. Yeah. Artuna. Artuna. Uh, I don't know. I actually love hearing the typing from your computer. It's giving okay, me yeah, some vibes. Never mind. Jerry's basketball op- No, it's uh, president of basketball operations. Damn. Arturis Karnasovas. Oh, yeah, that guy. 
Wait, check this out. That's what we like to see. So I got, I'm screen sharing to the guys right now, and I just highlighted Gar Foreman fired as GM. This is fake. That's fake news right there. John Pax is staying as the senior advisor. And that's a that's the title they gave Magic, dude. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just like a brand ambassador at that exactly. point. Exactly. Come on. Well, listen. Anyways, I'm, I'm excited about that though. Sorry, Luca. Oh, you're good. Um, we kind of did veer off into basketball, which is fine. Um, but just to kind of bring it back before we move on, you know, I still have a few more questions. Um, baseball let's do it yeah early you know it's I mean we're halfway through the season so I guess we can somewhat talk early award predictions um who's who's standing out for you guys well I mean the best player that's been playing baseball this season is Fernando Tatis Jr. yeah I think that's pretty easy to say at this point that most likely what Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis would be your two MVPs. I'm assuming I'm trying to think of AL. I know Charlie Blackman in the NL is having an outrageous start to the year as well. He's bet, yeah, he's betting 390 these days. That's ridiculous. Oh, he's back. He's under 400 though now. Yeah. You know what? Hey, I'm going to look up baseball reference. You go ahead. D keep talking about yours. Um, I think that it has to it, just right now with what's going on. Fernando Tatis has to be the front runner in the NL and the AL. I think it can get a little more weird because Mike Trout's having a really good season, but I don't know if they are going to give it to him again. So if Mike Trout doesn't win it, then it could get a little funky. Then that's when I mean you could you could see anything happen at that point. I think Shane Bieber is oh yeah trying to wiggle his way into the best pitcher in the league conversation. So if he continues to have the type of season he's having, it's not absurd to think he could potentially be considered for MVP because he's having one of those type of seasons as a pitcher. I mean, the guy has a 1.35 ERA. Well, even look at Trevor Bauer's numbers too for Al Cy Young. Yeah. He's outrageous right now. And I actually just pulled up sacred territory, Mike Trout's baseball reference page. Um, and I just wanted to look at his statistics for 2020. And you're Dude, right. His average is down this year. But, he, you know, he's got 10 home runs, 25 RBIs. So you're right. He's probably top five, maybe top three you could stretch. You, but they'll give him a second place finish no matter what happens. I'm trying to think. It's funny, too. I'm into fantasy baseball. I'm trying to think AL players that have ex- absolutely been playing out of their minds. There uh, really aren't many. I guess overall, I could, like. I guess I could type in league leaders. Why would I not type in MLB behind it? We got 2020 MLB stat leaders. Yeah, Shane Bieber. I forgot about how good Sonny Gray's of a season he's having. Max Freed, too. Which is weird. Like, I thought Sonny Gray was done. Yeah, I did, too. I thought he was cooking the Yankees. Yeah, man. Uh, It's amazing what moving leagues can do for you. Definitely. I think, yeah, one guy we forgot about. Jose Abreu would probably be your AL MVP right now, especially. With oh the, yeah, he's batting three twenty. Especially yeah. with the momentum that the White Sox are starting to gain, and they're actually starting to look like the team everyone thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Although Yasmani Grandal has been kind of trash. Yeah, they gave him a lot of money too. They did, so. and it. it, it he's like platooning. Right yeah, now. I'm not even going to sit here and talk shit about the White Sox as a Cubs fan because I have nothing but respect for their organization, honestly, and what Rick Hahn has done with that team. But the fact that their ace, Lucas Giolito, amazing person and great pitcher, does not want 
the catcher they they just paid 40 what 40 million to they don't he doesn't want him to catch his games is that's kind of interesting to me and i know that especially in this era of baseball personal catchers are becoming more prominent but that's just super mm-hmm. interesting to me yeah i mean he threw a no hitter so he's he's making the right choices his catcher is as reliable it just it's weird it's weird to see a guy that's that level of a player for you not want to be on the field with another guy who's supposed to be that same level or at least around that level I agree. of a player for you. I, it's, yeah. And we'll you know what? Shots, out. shots out to James McCann. That speaks well to how much he means to the organization, I suppose. But Great, um, great defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. That's an yeah, all-star last year, I believe, yeah. or the year before. I can't remember, but. No, so I think I forget who we projected in the last episode of uh, who we had for winning the awards, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I said Ronald Acuna. I think you did. Who did I, I say? Who did I say in the AL or NL? I meant Luca. You got these stats pulled up? Yeah, actually, if you want to screen, I'll, I'll screen share my computer and show you exactly what you said because I have. Somebody part time who does transcripts of all my podcasts, <laughs> so I can reread them and just focus on what I've said. Um, no, before we move on, though, uh, the Cubs bogus, Luca. and the Tigers just so happen to play each other not too long oh. ago. We should probably talk about that, shouldn't we? Yeah, we. The can. Tigers aren't interesting, dude. Um. Yeah, the Cubs have been really. Um, what's the word? Uninteresting lately. Um, early in the year, they got off to that thirteen and three start, and their starting pitching was just clicking, and their offense was getting enough done for that obviously amazing starting pitching start to carry out carry over to that record. But that being said, their starting pitching hasn't been bad recently, but it's cooled down enough that the offense is being exposed in the god awful bullpen. Um. Is just really getting lit up, and it's hard to see. But I'm really hoping they sign my boy Pedro Strope back, even though he's kind of washed up. I just need that type of energy back in my life, especially with Jeremy Jeffress in the back of the pen now, too. Um, shouts out to the Tigers, though. Still probably get the number one pick in this upcoming draft. Do you know? You got you got Turkles. What is it, Turkleton coming up next year? Come on, Casey Mize. He's. I mean, he's. He got shelled his, a little bit, but he lo- you can just tell he's going to be good. His splitter is nasty. For some reason, he reminds me of Garrett Cole. That splitter is oof. I, I would just, hate to face that. I got a random question for you guys. You know, I was just yeah. thinking about it. Actually, Zach Brown's the one who kind of brought it to my attention. But um, when you guys, you know, just want to throw something on the background, you know, it could be music, it could be a podcast, you know, whatever. Um, what is kind of that thing that you guys, what's your go-to thing that you put on in the background, you know, that's kind of soothing for you guys? My go-to is a podcast. I only listen to like two or three. And one of them being, I'm a huge fantasy football player. I just love, it's kind of an addiction, even though I'm not like crazy good to the extent I can make like a podcast or something on it, but. I listen to the Fantasy Footballers podcast. It's super entertaining, like good personalities. That's one of the main reasons I listen to it. And they have some insightful data and 
conversations about fantasy football, or obviously, as of late, as Luca knows, the Roger Deakins podcast, Team the Deakins. Deakins. And they have soothing voices. Uh, Very monotone. They could either put you to sleep or you're just like... Exactly. But the stuff that they cover and the stuff they talk about is really is like the peak of my interests yep. as far as cinematography goes. Obviously, my favorite cinematographer makes a podcast. It's going to be hard not to like that. Um, so those are the two things. And then, you know, every morning, if on the weekend especially, I'll get my nice cup of coffee and listen to an NPR uh, first up uh, podcast, which is like 15 minutes of news. Dee, what so about you? What's that, your go-to? Me. Um, I'm mostly... I would say the go-to is definitely music. If I situation where I can either like put in headphones and listen to music or play music in my headset when we're playing video games or play music. And and if I'm, if I have a chance, I'm probably going to be playing music, but I sprinkle podcasts in there for sure. What podcast you listen to? Uh, it's all over the place. I listen to the ringers a lot. Um, the big picture I listen to, Sometimes the Bill, like I used to listen to the Bill Simmons podcast religiously, but now it's like it depends on the guests and if I, well, usually I listen to his his Sunday night basketball podcast because I think that's really good. Uh, but and then after that, it just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. There are some podcasts that I'll be in the mood for. Sorry, I just cracked up another beer. Oh, you're good. Oh, do what you got to do, Doug. The you know the the reason I bring it up. Is just because uh, pretty much every other every night, every other night, you know, at some point, me and D are playing games, and it could be us, it could be, you know, I mentioned Zach Brown earlier. Regardless, there's usually a party going on, and um, lately, you know, it's probably about ten, eleven o'clock when this happens, and in the background, faintly, I can hear Zach Brown. Uh, I don't. It could be any game, but he's got a baseball game on, um, and for whatever reason, it takes me back to like. 1942 or something. Oh, yeah. He's listening on the radio, too. It's a yeah, radio. It's like school. Really? Yeah. And it's like the most soothing. It could be any game. Like the other day, as a joke, I just like YouTubed any baseball game from like 19, from the 1930s. <laughs> and I threw that on. Um, That's awesome. While we were playing. And they obviously didn't want to listen to it. Um, but yeah, it was Tigers Yankees from like 1932. That's a good um, game right there. Yeah, it was an all-time classic, so I was a little offended that they didn't. But I've come to realize it's like... like hey! I'm, I'm, it was bad. <laughs> it, the, it was that old The quality radio, wasn't like, great. It, yeah. Um, and you know those old radio voices, man. Oh, yeah. They well, all kind of sound the same. Well, that's the thing, though. For me, at least, it's like somewhat soothing for me. It's just like there's something about like a, like a baseball broadcaster that I think is different than any other sport. And I was wondering if maybe we could talk about that and maybe try and nail it down because I don't know what's necessarily different. You know, I watch a lot of other sports. And I, it just doesn't really hit the same. I, like think I, okay. I think I got an answer. I think I got an answer. I would compare baseball announcers to golf announcers in the sense that a majority of the time, I feel like if they're doing it right, they need to allow the sounds of the game to do a majority of the game calling. Whereas a basketball, a hockey football, I don't listen to it as much on the radio, but sometimes when I'm driving, I'll listen to like the Sunday night football games. It's more immediate and the game has a faster pace, which to be honest, affects the TV ratings and all that good stuff. But, um, I think that it really 
actually helps sports like golf and baseball blossom for the announcers because they can kind of pause and let the game speak for itself in certain categories. And I feel like um, like certain walk-off home runs and stuff, sometimes the announcers will just go silent and let the crowd, you'll hear the crowd cheering and all that. And I, I really appreciate that about baseball and golf announcers especially, which are two of the most dying sports, I feel like. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an art form. I honestly, yes, that's a very, very perfect way to put it. I think one thing that really, really feels right about it, like what you said, is the pace. I think there's just so much more time for an announcer to kind of just like dig into what's happening. You know, they have, they really have to do a much better job of describing what's happening to you, also, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not watching the game. So you're kind of just placing yourself in their hands and hoping that they kind of walk you through this game. It's, it's almost just like somebody's telling you a story and you're just listening. You're going along for the ride and you get to hear the back crack and you get to hear the ball hit the catcher's mitt. There's just, I don't know. There's that's something awesome. That is super a good, soulful. That's a good point it. though. You know, now that I think about it, I guess there is sort of a, you get, you get a setup. It builds anticipation. So it's like, you know, exactly. you're talking, here comes the pitch and you're almost waiting to hear, you know, the sound of a bat. So I think both of you um, hit the nail right on the head there. Um, I don't know why. My why brain, baseball's good. My brain always goes back to the end of uh, Captain America, First Avenger, where he he's like, where am I? You know, and I know this isn't real because I was at that game. That's. That twist always freaking, it still gets me. I might not be the biggest fan of that one, but I don't know. Whenever I even think about like baseball on the radio, it's the first thing my brain goes to. And I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, not, I was just going to go on to the next thing, but if you want to sprinkle something, something on top of there, what, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say Vince Scully, um, I only got to listen to a yeah. I only got to listen to a couple of games back when he was announcing like early to early twenty ten or yeah early twenty tens. It's kind of weird to say now, um, where I was kind of just watching baseball as a fan when the Cubs are bad. I wasn't really pursuing watching every Cubs game instead of watching um, every game. But he was amazing, and I've been listening to a lot of Pat Hughes on 670 the score for the Cubs and he I don't know if think he is a Hall of Famer yet but I'm assuming he will be eventually um he does a great job describing stuff and letting stuff breathe as well hmm. so it's just good stuff and similar to Zach Brown too like when I had cable like I recently moved and cut the cord but whenever I had cable I'd always have MLB network on and I loved when they do like the bouncing around the ballparks on MLB tonight mm-hmm. to like certain huge scenarios and games and that was super interesting to me and I kind of missed that actually but yeah listen before you know we we change topics um, I've, I've been trying to do something a little different you know most of the time I kind of pre-plan what we're going to talk about whether that's very specific or pretty loose I still have an idea sometimes I let the guests know sometimes I don't especially when we're talking sports or current events kind of like to pick your guys' brains and you know if there's anything specific you guys wanted to talk about i try to fit that in as much as possible uh d you had mentioned something earlier to me via text um new age baseball versus traditional stuff um obviously that's somewhat broad and i think we kind of touched on that a little bit last time you guys were both on but was there something specific there that you um 
had up had upstairs that you were thinking about possibly bringing up? We just uh, we didn't like ha- we didn't decide to do this pod when all the stuff was happening with Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh yeah. So I think that was just something that was on my mind, and I didn't know if you would want to talk about it. I don't even know if you know what happened. Uh, I would love to talk about that. That's super interesting, and I have it. I have some pretty intense feelings yeah, about that as well. It's one of the dumbest like narratives that lasted more than five hours that I've seen in a long time in a sport, I feel like. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the Padres and the Rangers played earlier this month. And Fernando Tatis Jr., who we talked about earlier, who was just having he's – a, he's a really young shortstop. I think it's he's a breakout season. And he's having an incredible season, leading the league in home runs, all of that. And they were playing – the Rangers, it was like the eighth inning, seventh or eighth inning, and they're up by like seven runs. And he had a 3-0 count, and he swung and hit a grand slam. And after the game, the Rangers manager talked about how it was – he broke one of baseball's unwritten rules by swinging on 3-0 while he was leading, while his team was leading. And there were people that agreed with that, and there were people that backed that take up that wanted to take – this young guy who plays with a ton of flair. He's so much fun to watch. And they wanted to say, no, like keep that over there. Don't swing on three. Oh, even if the pitcher throws you a meatball, when you can have a career high seven RBI in a game, it makes zero sense. And, and it's one of the reasons that the sport is dying. And an MLB leading home run at the time as well. Exactly. And the thing that really blows my mind, I'm, I'm subscribed to um, a collection of guys on YouTube called John Boy, and they actually led the charge in exposing the Astros in their sign-stealing scandal. They make absolutely amazing baseball content daily, but I love their breakdowns that they do where they'll break down you know, funny stuff, but they, he did a breakdown in the Fernando Tatis Grand Slam, and it was like actually kind of made me upset, and it's, you nailed it right on the head, D, that it's, it's the reason why baseball is dying is because of these unwritten rules, even though there's a direct correlation with more offense equaling more viewership. Um, yet there's these rules in place to protect pitchers from breaking their ego. But that being said, one thing that really upset me during this whole thing is that during the breakdown, he caught Eric Hosmer, who I actually have a lot of respect for. I think he's a great player, talking to the Rangers dugout saying that they'll talk to Fernando Tatis. This is in game. Like they'll talk to him to tell him that he shouldn't have done that, all that good stuff. And there's a shot of Fernando Tatis in the dugout as Eric Hosmer is talking to him, like upset, like not really sad or angry, but just like kind of a flat face. Like he's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's just kind of not dep- like he's not there and he's kind of upset about the whole scenario. And the fact that he had to feel that way at 21 years old, hitting the MLB league leading home run, because he hit a grand slam being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do so. He has to feel bad for that. And then on top of that, sorry for the rant, but his manager went ahead the next day and said that maybe they'll revisit that and that maybe it shouldn't have happened that way. And the fact that that manager could have walked back in that clubhouse with any respect after calling out their best player on their team for hitting a grand slam is absolutely outrageous to me. And I'm sure people are over it now. And I'm sure as time goes on, people will forgive the manager more. But that was just super upsetting as well. But something good did happen because of this. The very next game, the Padres were up big again. And Tatis, instead of just like taking his foot off the brake, 
not doing anything to upset people. He stole third while they were up a bunch Seven, of runs. I think. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was my favorite thing. And then when he scored, he went and started dancing in the dugout. It was wonderful because he he came out and apologized after that after yeah. the manager and after they talked to him. But to come back and do that the next day, that was that was wonderful because it was like you like we both just hammered for like five minutes. It was such a stupid situation, and he never even should have had to face questions yep. about whether or not he should have done it. And it's funny too because MLB's whole slogan, at least for last season, was "Let the kids play," and it was it was literally trending on Twitter. Um, and it really was in bad optics once again for uh, the 2020 MLB season, which is hilarious because Rob Manfred's doing a pretty good job at ruining this whole thing. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but hey, on a positive note, no players this week tested positive for COVID, so it looks like that thing is looking up. But um, there's some other stuff to be upset about in the baseball world this week and in the world in general. Terrible, uh, absolutely terrible year, I'd say. Bad if you guys want to touch Bad on that. Year. Bad year. Uh, I mean, I'll oh, go ahead, Luca. I was just going to say, you know, I think it'd be, you know, a shame if we didn't at least, you know, talk about the elephant in the room, you know. Um, I mean, we're talking baseball, but basketball is kind of the, the leading league of players that are deciding to boycott. Um, protest, protest. Yeah, you're right. Protest their... Well, it's even more significant because it's their playoff games. Yep. Um, for the tragic, another tragic shooting that happened. So they've decided to um, sit out, you know, the past, what, two, three days? There hasn't been basketball? Three, I think. Or two, it's two today, I believe. No, three. Three days. And um, from what I hear, is baseball somewhat, because I know, like, uh, I think we even talked about this um, a little bit earlier, but I feel like what the Dodgers yep. did was like the most like the best case scenario of how you could go about the situation. Yeah, I agree because obviously, if basketball during the playoffs is willing to do this, you know, you have to somewhat respond if you're baseball. And the way yep. that the Dodgers handled it, I think, was fantastic. Um, but you know, other than them, I don't really know what the deal is with. Um, some of the baseball teams. So could you guys maybe fill me in on how they've um, kind of countered, not countered because it's not like, but just like how have they responded to everything well, that's happening. Do you want to go, you want to start? Well, I was just going to say the one team that I know I've seen it, that's doing a ton. And I think it's because they're so close geographically is the, the brewers. I know that they yep. have been not playing. I don't know if they played today. But I don't I know. think they did. Oh, no, they are playing today. They are. Okay. But, yeah, they didn't play yesterday, and I don't think they played the day before. Um, well, I Baseball is – everybody's oh, – today is Jackie Robinson Day, coincidentally. Yep. Um, so that just kind of happens to work out. So I don't know if that's why they decided to play. But um, baseball, I don't know. I think Manfred already kind of bungled it. So now it's just up to individual teams deciding yeah. what they want to do. But, unfortunately, like – it, it's not a thing that's going to last very long. Like some teams did some really cool stuff, and I, hopefully, some stuff that has an impact on someone somewhere that like will, I don't know, maybe change their mind or at least enlighten them or open their eyes. What are but, some of the the cool things that some teams have done? I saw. 
Oh, go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. I was just going to say that I, I was kind of disappointed in the Cubs' response um, because Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, the president and GM of the Cubs, they are very progressive people, and they've stated that. I mean, Theo has sported a Black Lives Matter shirt a ton throughout this season and all that stuff, but Jason Hayward, who is one of the leaders of the clubhouse, a very well-spoken guy, decided he was going to sit out because he just could not see himself playing on a day where NBA players were taking a stand and every all the injustice that's happening within his community, he just felt like he could not play. And he said, like, all the words came out that he encouraged his teammates to play. Sure, I'm sure he would because he's that kind of guy. But the fact that I know it was a spur-of-the-moment decision, there was, like, less than two hours of game time because they were playing in Detroit when all this stuff started breaking. But I really wish more people would have sat with him. Um but that being said, since then, the Cubs actually, I didn't read the full thing today, but I did see that some people are going to be donating entire paychecks to certain uh, charities that benefit, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and stopping police brutality and all of that good stuff. So overall, I mean, it was kind of a flash in the pan as far as responding to the response of the Cubs, but um, I was kind of, oh, you're good. I was kind of upset with that. And you, like you said, Luca, I mean, you didn't really uh, touch on it too much, but like with the, what the Dodgers did, mm-hmm. I think that's how every team should have responded. A player like Mookie Betts, especially, who is a top 10 player in the MLB, has passed MVP winner, a super ridiculously talented athlete. Um, he said, I'm not going to play. And the Dodgers basically said, hey, we'll play whenever you want to. And they kind of basically took his, they let him take the lead. And whenever he was ready to play again, they were going to be good to go. So that's, that's kind of how it should have went. And people, sorry, I'm ranting, but people who uh, sit there, uh, you know who you are and say that all these protests of not playing games don't matter. And it's just stupid. And the whole movement's stupid. It's a little ridiculous just for the fact that, the 30 owners in the NBA, the 30 owners in the MLB are some of the most uh, rich generation-wise families in the United States of America. 30, 60 of the most powerful people in the room whenever they're in one. You're basically forcing their hand at donating to change and making changes within organizations. And the NBA has done an amazing job at that. And they succeeded. They didn't play three days in a row during their playoffs, and now they have their owners starting to back programs that should be funded with their generational wealth. So that was about 10 minutes. Sorry. I love it. T, do you have any, anything um, to add on to that? I just want to say uh, shout-out to the Athletics, who decided first that they weren't going to play in baseball and released a – as far as th- these statements go, I mean, over the past – just in the year alone, we've uh, – We've seen a billion of these statements. And yeah. Which sucks because we shouldn't be seeing them. Yeah, exactly. Like, we've seen way too many of these, and I hope that we don't have to keep seeing these. Sure, we will in some capacity. I don't know. The Mets and the Marlins, even though they had some controversy surrounding the start of what they were doing, what they. Two seconds, Which, and then 
everybody left the field and they just put a Black Lives Matter shirt over home, which is is a is a, a good gesture. But like you said, there's a lot more that I feel like they could have done. That's Definitely. Just, yeah. It's a rough scene out here. That's there's all so say. much more to it. Yeah. It's it's so much more to it. Like if we're gonna jump to the NBA, I don't know if we want to do yeah. that now. Yeah, we, we, can. Well, you know, we can. We can. I did topic. I did just want to say really fast too to wrap up the MLB portion is that mm-hmm. it sucks seeing like the mixed response um, by the MLB and the players in the MLB because it is a predominantly white sport and wanting to spread the sport and gain growth. The fact that it was a, even a mixed response and the idea of a mixed response, like I feel like it just hurts the game. And I'm sure when 2020 is over, people aren't going to be looking back at the way that MLB responded because there's so much bigger fish to fry as far as COVID and the, the uprising within protesting police pro- police brutality. But that being said, I was kind of disappointed in the lackluster response when the option was so easy. And I'm sure it's easy for me to say that because I wasn't in the clubhouse and I wasn't the president and I didn't have money at stake and all that good stuff. But from my perspective, it was a little disappointing. No, I agree. I agree completely. All right. Well, let's let's transition over to um, to basketball. Um, no games today, right? But um, I was reading that they have agreed to continue playing. Am I correct in that statement? Tomorrow, right? Yeah, they're playing tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I know. I also read that the Lakers and Clippers were the only teams to say that they were leaning or vote. They voted towards um, just stopping the season. Um, yes, that's what interesting. I thought. What are your? I mean, do you? It's hard to disagree, you know, agree or disagree, but just I guess, what are your thoughts on even that decision? You know, from coming from specifically those two teams, where I think. If you're going to take the odds of anybody to win, um, they probably have the two biggest shots. Um, that's that's bold, obviously. Um, nothing new for LeBron. Um, and surprising, Kawhi even said more than three words. But uh, no, what I mean, what are your thoughts, Steve? I just when it comes to the NBA, I think they did they did a good job, and they let the players kind of take the lead with what they were doing and they just kind of ran with it. I think it's weird because you, you see all this discourse that's coming out. There's some stuff about younger players kind of being turned off by LeBron's. I don't know if it was his demeanor or like what he was saying or how he was saying it in that meeting, but apparently there were some people who didn't really like it. Um, But just the fact that you have to assume since his team voted not to play, that he voted not to play. The fact that LeBron James, who all he's done for his entire life is play basketball and all, everything, that a lot of what he has is because of basketball. The fact that he has such a big thing on the line when it comes to his legacy and when it comes to just how people will remember him, he's he's not taking the easy way out. He's, he's setting up polling locations for citizens. He's opting out of seasons, even though he's going to end up playing. He he voted not to play. I think when you see someone of his level and his stature be able to do this, it's a testament to how far the league has mm-hmm. come. Because, I mean, in the 1990s, you had players getting blackballed for doing any sort of demonstration that was seen as against the norm. And good players were penalized for not believing in 
the norms. So the fact that they can do that is incredible, but I still think obviously there's such a long way to go as far as public perception goes. I mean, every time I log on to Twitter, I see like five good things, but then you see those like two or three bad things or those two or three people that just have no idea what they're talking about. And it just, it almost erases the good feeling you have of the good things that are happening because you still see how much of an uphill climb it actually is. And that's the part where it can, you can feel a little bogged down, but I don't know. Sometimes you just got to try to focus on the positives and what the NBA has done and specifically some of these players, like what Donovan Mitchell pledged to do. All of that is, that is really good to see young guys to step up and make big decisions like that. And it's funny too. Cause like I, to be honest, as far as my perception of a player like Michael Jordan goes, my biggest problem I had with him, especially after watching The Last Dance and having light shut on it, is his inability, not now, but when he was a player, to make a stance. And I know that's a lot of people had a problem with that. Even dating back to when he was an owner, like we're talking 10 years ago, people had problems with the way he would support his own communities and all of that as far as funding you know, charities, nonprofits, and all that. But um, now he's made his voice a little bit louder and a little bit more clear, and I respect that. But LeBron's done nothing but good in his communities. And I used to be a LeBron hater um, because he used to murder the hell out of the Chicago Bulls. And I didn't like the idea of a threat to Michael Jordan. I didn't like that idea. I wanted the best player to be a Chicago Bull, uh, which is natural, I guess, especially as a dumbass middle schooler. But... LeBron James is easily one of the best basketball players ever and off the field, his legacy or off the court, his legacy is amazing as well. And if he didn't go to South Beach, man, it's gonna it would be hard to argue anything about LeBron James and I can kind of get that perspective from other people, but um nothing but respect for him. That's where my my opinion ends on LeBron for right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if there's any thing more necessarily that we need to touch on um, NBA wise. But if I'm gonna have Nick on, um, I feel like I have to give him his moment of glory to talk about fantasy football. So sure. Um, what do you What do you want to talk about? Well, first, it's just just so we're you know all the cards are out on the table. Are we a hundred percent sure that the NFL is happening? Or I truly believe yeah. so. It's going to be so hard for you. See all these other sports playing right now, and I understand that football is a full contact sport, but I feel like this is one of those things where it's like a train that's just not going to stop. No matter what players get COVID, could be Patrick Mahomes. This money train that is the NFL is not going to pause for anyone, and I think they're just going to keep chugging through this season chance. regardless. Unless legal legislation comes down on them. But if there if there's nothing like that, I think they're just gonna keep going. I mean, obviously they're not in a bubble and from the way that their schedule is set up, they're just gonna be going city to city like normal. I just I don't understand how this is gonna happen, how it's gonna work, let alone you know what I mean? I just I have so many questions and it's almost laughable because you just see all these other leagues go through so many measures of, you know, creating a bubble. And just all these different things that they have to deal with to even get games going, let alone the NFL saying, no, we're just going to run things as usual. I mean, what? Do you, what yeah, do you think? We'll, we'll see. That's going to be tough. But 
There's so many players the NFL, on a football team, too. The, NF, the NFL hasn't even committed for the entire season to not having fans in the stadium yet. Clemson, the college football team, is trying to find a way to play their football season with like still with fans in the stadium. They're trying to find a way to do 19,000 people in the stands and do it safely. So I think if stuff like that is happening happening at the collegiate level, there's no chance that we're not going to have the NFL going full yeah. steam ahead, no matter and what. Correct happens. me if I'm wrong. I think some NFL teams have already um, used algorithms in different programs to say that we're allowing this percentage capacity into our stadium for week one. I think there's a couple of teams out there that will have like 15,000, 12,000 people in their stands come uh, come opening weekend for the NFL or opening night. And it's funny because I believe. I, I can't quote this, but the the gains of having 15,000 people in the stands um, is, like, so minimal that the NFL teams are saying that the only reason they're trying to get fans in the stands is so they don't lose, like, their lull. What the? What the? <laughs> I see. That's why I got to go inside. Wait, hold on. We got to find this dog, dude. No, they're just outside across the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah but like the, the 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 money they will make for having that little fans in the stands doesn't make sense so whatever we'll see I guess the fans as long as they can't touch the players won't have much of an effect I don't know I don't, I'm still just in this mindset of there's no freaking way that this season happens or at least a full season happens but, you know, to me, it's, like, just as much of a train wreck as, like, seeing that all these kids are going back to public school. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you if That's you can't awful. control lice in a classroom, it's, like, how is this going to work? But, you know, I guess we'll see. Uh, what do I know? I'm just a freaking 23-year-old <laughs> who doesn't know how to read. Um, okay. Um, obviously, we're seeing multiple leagues. Um Protest games, that sort of thing. Um, have we heard anything from any NFL players specifically? Or, you know, not that, you know, uh, we're in mid-season or anything, but um, would, you see, would you see an entire football uh, team possibly protest a game? Definitely. It's possible. I know that specifically I, of players, I only heard a couple, like, with actual names, and I know that. Saquon Barkley was one of them. So I also have to say, um, D, if I could just interject really fast, that it was a sad day yesterday knowing that one of my favorite Chicago Bears of all time, Brian Urlacher, is a dumbass, ooh. and I can no longer support the man. So shout out two times well, to um, all the other Bears that were a part of the team gr- with me growing up because they're like Charles Tillman may be my new favorite mid-2000s Bear versus Brian Urlacher. It's got to be Matt Forte. Oh, he's up he there. Came out oh, yeah, Matt Forte. Out, he came out Matt Forte him. is a bad mother. That's maybe my favorite uh, fantasy player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he was a god, dude. He was a that god. That was my pick every fucking year. I had Calvary no Calvary. idea what I was doing. I'll say this. This is what Erlecker gets for all of those terrible billboards oh, yeah. that line the highways of Illinois. He deserves everything <laughs> that he's getting. Not only did I think he was ignorant to like the whole – protesting police brutality and all that good stuff but apparently people scoured his twitter and his likes and all that and he's like an avid follower of QAnon 
uh, conspiracy oh, theories and depicting like Joe Biden as a pimp and Kamala Harris as a prostitute and certain stuff like that. So wait, they're not exactly. So the thing is, I it's going to be take probably fifteen years of apology before I can even look at him ever the same. Probably never again. He's that's lost cause. Yeah. It's like arguing with my grandma. It's just nothing's going to go anywhere. <laughs> Actually, those are my favorite stories. <laughs> Siri, uh, post the Talon Brothers family dinner. But anyway, um, <laughs> moving on, still talking about uh, football before we actually get into fantasy talk with Nick Talon. Um, you said something interesting yesterday when we were, uh, when we were eating. Uh, and after, it was actually right in the middle of the roasting of uh, baseball's commissioner. You said sure. that you think that Roger Goodell is doing a pretty good job, and I'd like to elab- like have you elaborate on that a little bit um, um, and maybe get D's thoughts on this because, you know, I just always think of Roger Goodell as, like, just always fucking things up for, I mean, to me at least. Um, but I'd like to hear your take. Yeah, let's, let's the, bring that up. The reason I think in the – well, first off, any commissioner right now looks amazing because Rob Manfred's in the game. That being said, Roger Goodell, and not only him, but like even the owners, which sucks to say, because I'm like always anti-owner whenever it comes out and disputes and everything like that, but they maximize their profits through COVID, which was super interesting to see the way they presented the schedule release as a whole night event in the NFL draft, all virtual, and how they basically knocked that out of the park. Um, and it's been super interesting because it feels like besides missing some rookie mini camps and some OTAs and all of that, the NFL has not missed a beat. And that's obviously going to be to be determined when the season actually gets up and running. But they did an amazing job in the past seven months of handling all the diversity that the league has seen. And they also had the benefit of not being in season. That being said, I think... Um, Goodell has done some good things, especially going on the Emmanuel Acho or Sam Acho's uh, uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And he even stuck his neck out to go on to that, which is very interesting considering his stance on Colin Kaepernick and how he's trying to turn that around because he was a dumbass during that whole thing. So that's the reason why I think Goodell does it. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best commissioner ever, but at least in the past six months has looked decent. D, you go. Um, I think everything, like yeah, everything he said is true. He definitely is working on reshaping his image, and I don't know. I still am a little bit creeped out by the fact that he was doing hosting the virtual draft, and for some reason he thought the focal point that should be in the frame is just a big bowl of M and M's. I thought it was a weird choice. You don't like M and M's? Um, I like Eminem's, but why was that the choice Whoa, that he made to make America think that he was like shit on our third I like sponsor of the podcast, Eminem. Like, I'm not. I'm literally. I like Eminem's. <laughs> I will eat Eminem's anytime. But why? If you're Roger Goodell, you're like, I want to be more human. I want people to like me. I'm putting a jar of Eminem's next to me. Hey, I like Eminem's. Just a weird choice. Hey, I love Eminem's. I do too. Seems like a COVID nightmare, though. You don't know whose hands have been in there grabbing Eminem's. But. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Just taste. No, Nick mentioned something. He's like, he's walking back his his Kaepernick stuff, and that stuff bothers me because if he had handled it correctly in the first place, 
who knows where we would be and as a larger sports world and collective sports fans but it's it's funny though because i think it's so hard to say but i genuinely believe that in the long run as far as societal change goes colin kaepernick almost being blackballed by the nfl will have more positive effects on society um as it would have if he was still in the league if that makes any sense that being said the man deserves a job in the nfl I believe still to this day. Um, but I think that him being basically kicked out of the NFL is going to have, it's going to hold more weight on his stance and the way that NFL handled that in general in the long run. So and I, I, hopefully Colin Kaepernick is still finding some monetary success. I, I know he's gotten some sponsors and stuff like that, but he really, I don't think was in the wrong at all. Personally, I know that obviously there's a huge chunk of people that frankly, I don't give a hell what they think about, uh, but they all disagree with that. Oh, I mean, for, and for Kaepernick's sake, he went from, you know, a quarterback that made it to a Super Bowl and had a nice run and who absolutely still could play in the league and probably should be to being, I, I mean, the closest thing that this generation has to like a sports figure like Jackie yep. Robinson or Muhammad Ali in terms of someone who was not afraid to like put their neck and put their career on the line for something that they believed in. So I think in that sense, you're absolutely right. Like getting blackballed is, as an activist, I would say getting blackballed is the best thing that happened to him. But I just watching Goodell kind of walk back. I mean, it's good that he admitted he was wrong, but it's just a shame that he couldn't have seen this back in 2016 or whenever. I believe, or was it six years ago? I think it was six mm-hmm. years ago. God, that's so long ago. How is that possible? Maybe, no, I think it was four years. Four, was it four? Yeah, oh, yeah, 2016. 2016. That's when everyone was NFL, and yeah. then now they're all backlogged. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think from that sense, yes. Cap. I mean, there was never a doubt in my mind that Kaepernick handled this correctly. He did everything that he should have. It's just the NFL is now making the steps to make up for what they missed when they Yeah, and him. you know what's so funny about the whole thing? All they have to do is, I don't want to say reinstate him, but publicly come out and apologize for how they handled that whole situation. I, I mean, that's not going to clear everything, but that's the first step before they it's even hold step. any weight in the far as what they're trying exactly. to change here. Exactly. It, yes, the first step is admitting <laughs> to what they exactly. did, and we'll see if they do that. Yep, to be determined. Well, listen, while we have the fantasy guru on here. I was um, not the guru, dude. I lost our league last year. Two, wait, 2D, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I will say, well, who said I, when I said fantasy guru, who said I was talking about you, Nick? Oh shit! <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I know you want to. You've been wanting to talk fantasy, so I mean, I don't necessarily have anything like specific, but I mean, players you have your eye on, excited for I this can't. year. You it's actually fun. think I we're going to have a full fantasy. season? Yes, I do think we'll have the full season. But number two, how the hell am I supposed to say who I have my eye on if I'm going to about to start up another league with you guys? I mean, there, I got some people. Because I wasn't, wasn't going to say You caught anything. on to what I was, was going to I was going to I was going to see if he'd bite on that one. But that's the, okay. You see who, I respect it. who I like this year. I like Mark Sanchez um, <laughs> yeah, coming off the bench <laughs> for the Cowboys. I really I'm think, a big Trubisky uh, guy. 
anybody on the Lions for sure. You know, that's oh. the that's the pick right there. Um, consistent. No, but every for real, watch week. out for Danny Amendola. <laughs> no, QB, or wide receiver. No, one. no, no. I mean, I do like Kenny Galladay, Kenny G, smooth jazz runner. Shouts off fantasy footballers podcast, but it's gonna get interesting. I mean, their backfield's weird. Um, uh, I like Swift. I think Swift is going to take over. Oh, definitely. But rest in peace, Carrion Johnson. His uh, hopes were high, but the ship is slowly sailing. He should have. Yeah, he just can't stay healthy. He's not. He's not the one, unfortunately. So rest in peace. We'll see about the Bears. I, I'm starting to get a little scared. David Montgomery injured his groin. Probably won't be ready for week one. So we're probably looking at Cordell Patterson as the running back one because we know Tariq Cohen can't get rushing yards. Very scared. Very scared overall, but I think the defense will kick ass. Didn't they draft another running back this year? Oh, no, they did not, no. Oh, I thought they did. They for, may, no, I thought I, late round they did. Maybe I'm forgetting someone. I mean, they drafted but, a running back just like the Packers drafted a wide receiver. Um, but listen, oh, before we do go any further, there's one thing sure. I'd like to add. I was thinking about it the other day in the car. And you know we're we're still technically, I think, are we still in summer? Would you say? Yeah, until September twenty first, right? Well, I, yes, uh, it I is was true. Just thinking about it, and how uh, you know, I think I, I I was getting something for Avery, and I had to stop in Michaels, and I'm smelling these fall candles, and I'm thinking about oh, football could possibly be back. Nick's sure. on me about hey, can you message every person you know that might want to play fantasy football? Yeah, dude, um, I'm and put in thirty five bucks for a league that's money, not gonna dude. happen. Come on. Um, anyway. Money goes back. Money goes back if the, the season at the league, the NFL is not letting it. Not anyway, happen. let anyway, me know when the draft anyway. is because of course I'm in. You got it, dude. With all this stuff on Run my mind, it. I was just thinking about how good of a fall I had last year where, you know, I'd be every Sunday I could look forward to stopping by the Talon Brothers and we'd be watching a football game. A lot of great on twos episodes after these football games where I probably had one too many drinks and we started talking Monster House. I said, Monster House? Did I watch that movie? I honestly don't remember. Monster uh, great film. Anyway, good good tip. I don't know. What a you guys got you know you got your new place. I'm just saying. I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's It'll not the. It's not the. I don't know. There was some. There was something about the aesthetic of just That's hanging out in the garage. But, I agree. But I'm very much looking forward to uh, this fall with you guys in the new place and watching some football. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be great. I, we have like a dedicated cable box that I am actually paying for. Um, 10 bucks a month for football seasons because we have the first 10 channels. So we should be able to get all the primetime games. And, you know, I'm the hookup with the, the NFL stream subreddit and we'll be streaming every game fantasy related um, during the, the season as well, as long as we have football. I'm pretty excited. I am. That being said, it kind of makes you think, man, like cable, I miss it sometimes. That being said, the real question of the night is, is D going to make it to the Talon Brothers residence anytime soon? Damn, yeah, what's up with this? I'll, I'll find my way there. Don't, don't worry. I'm only. You have to give me a date, though. Uh, I can't do that right now. You have to. We have to plan something. We can plan something and we can make it happen. All right, very yeah, that works for me, honestly. All right. Shout out. I like that. I like very the sound easily. of that. Um, listen, before we go. Um, I, you know, at the last minute, I came up with sort of a 
recommendation idea. I thought it would be fun that before we hit the road on the pod, you know, after a little sports talk, that we would each recommend three things. You can recommend an album, recommend a video um, or podcast, very specific, you know, like a, not like a general, hey, listen to this podcast, but maybe an episode that touched you guys or a YouTube video that you guys watched of anything. Um, and then lastly, a movie that you guys would like to recommend. Um, I don't care what order we did this. Do you, um, uh, can I say something really fast? Do you want me to break like some devastating news? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to take over the rest of the podcast because I love your idea, but it's kind of crazy and it's blindsided me. Uh, that, I mean, that's kind of the point, personally. Chadwick Boseman passed away. What? Swear to God. Shut up. Get out of here. 43 years old. I First off, I didn't know he was that old. And apparently he had cancer? What? AP News, I'm telling you right now, AP News just tweeted it out. Verified on Twitter. On Jackie Robinson Day, too, man. That's crazy. Colon cancer? His, his, his official Twitter confirmed it. Dude. Like, it's on his official Twitter. Breaking this is crazy. News? What the heck? Isn't that ridiculous? I didn't know he had cancer, first off. Which, they probably kept it private, but still. Crazy. What is happening? He's diagnosed in 2016. 2020 fucking sucks this is the worst year ever and i just ruined the podcast up too with this bad energy but i just saw it i'm like shocked what the fuck is going on you know if tmz's dropping shit you're like oh well my life's yeah, over i'll never forget when they dropped the kobe shit man. I, was I was in a party oh with my god D and zach brown and zach brown said it and i like it was another one. It was like when Prince died. It was like my body was yeah. rejecting how to react. I agree. Not it's that I'm the biggest Black crazy. Panther guy, but I mean, this Jesus, this dude's only 43 years old. This is Jackie Robinson, man. This is James Brown. This is Thurgood Marshall. This is Black this Panther. Is, dude. This is Black Panther. No, this is the Five Bloods, possibly his best yeah, role. Yeah, man. Personally. I, I thought he was, was phenomenal. I thought he was in his 30s, too. Like, I mean, obviously, that doesn't change anything. But 43, I didn't know that. Crazy. I'm devastated. That's sad. Rest in peace. Good actor. Oh, my gosh. And, but Such, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, do we need to go to the, the recommendations? Yeah, let's, let's try <laughs> to bring some light into people's lives because I'm, I'm really sad, I guess. All right. Uh, I'm going to go take a cold shower after this. I, I got well, it. I have to shower uh, anyway since I spilled beer on my stomach. But that being said, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace. I, uh, but anyways, D start us off uh, since you seem to be the most in shock. I'm, I'm just taken aback. It's like the second time this has happened this year with like a big I agree. celebrity. Someone that at least, like I don't know if I would say he meant... He definitely meant a lot to Culturally, me. Like a, you know, a, a black kid that likes movies. It's it, he was something to watch, especially like Lucas. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool. His last uh, role was The Five Bloods because in that movie he was kind of like this uh, this like heavenly figure who could do no wrong. You know, he yes. was 
he was so charismatic and he was just such a light. I don't know, man. That's just, it's just really sad. Uh, let's, so what, what recommendation do we want to talk about? First? Um, you know, we always talk movies on here. So I don't know if we want to end with that or if we'd want to start. Honestly, with D, I'll let you take the first pick. You can, we could do whatever you want. Okay. I, let's recommend the video. Okay. Let's, so I was thinking of specific podcast episodes, but none of them really stuck out to me like as a single episode. So I wanted to talk about a video that I, I imagine that we all have watched, but I know at least two of us have watched. Um, the Ethan Hawke TED Talk. Mm. Uh, I'm not even really going to lie. I have wrote, not seen I wrote it. down two, and that was one of them, so I'm glad that I did that. Should I watch this ASAP then? What's going on? It's just, it's really good. Devastating video from he- a man, Roman, who shared it in our movie talk group page, and you still oh. haven't seen it. That, that it, is uh, devastating. <laughs> it's just a really good video about creativity. No, I mean, especially would- all three of us, I think, are in somewhat of uh, dabble in the creative field, and, you know, anytime that, I think we've all experienced whether it's writer's block or just maybe not feeling um, that, you know, maybe I don't know, we've had th- these life talks with ourselves. It's like, is this what we're doing, you know, is it meaningful? Is it worth it? Does it uh, I think any creative field you kind of go through those sort of things, and it's the perfect little nine-minute video on just kind of giving, boosting the confidence of any creative person um, saying that you, hate, you know, you're just um, as important as everyone else. You know, we're all here for a reason. And as a creative person, this is kind of our role. And, uh, you know, with Ethan Hawke saying it, he just has such a way with words that it's like, Jesus, you know, I could be an accountant and, you know, not be, think, not think of myself as the, any sort of have any creative talent and I could, you know, feel like I'm the king of the world after watching this video. So that's a good, it's a good pull D and I'm shame on you this. for not watching it. Nick. Yeah. I can't believe you really. Uh, Nick, you go, what's your, what's your video or podcast episode? I'm the same thing with D as far as thinking of a podcast episode. And the problem is I don't list the podcast. I listen to like, I could, you know, throw out a really good Team Deacons podcast episode, like the Joel Cohen episode or oh, something dude, along those lines. That's so amazing. Good. Yeah, and there's a ton, and I would recommend that. But for everyone, um, I was just I was scrolling through my liked videos on YouTube because I just had to find something that uh, everyone can enjoy. Because I know not everyone would want to listen to the Deacons pod, and I just want to say it never fails to make me laugh. I'm pulling it up on the screen share right now. It's a little SNL digital short called Dear Sister. I don't think I've ever seen it. Have you not? Oh, maybe it's I have. And it's just, it's a great time. It came out, I don't know, it probably, is this six years ago? That's kind of a long time. I guess Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, it's incredible. Shia LaBeouf's in it. Oh my. And yeah, you can't I, beat yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot that was the name of that one. Um, it's just a good time. It's yeah. also called The Shooting, but... Um, I always laugh every time I see it. It brightens my day. So it's a quick little three-minute, four-minute watch, and I'd highly recommend for everyone to go and peep that if you haven't seen it or just go rewatch it because it does have great rewatchability. Good pull. Good pull. Um, for my video, um, you know, there. I'm not even going to spoil anything, but one of my options was the Ethan Hawke video, The Dimension. My other one 
is there's been a movie that's been on my mind recently, and that movie is the School of Rock. And because that video yeah. movie's been on my mind, uh, there is, you know, we see more and more every day there's a new actor that drops a, whether it's with GQ or Vanity Fair going through, uh, like, their entire career, uh, or most famous movie I roles. I think it's GQ. Yeah, I, well, I know Vanity Fair does it as well, but GQ, yeah. This one is GQ, and it is Jack Black breaks down the most iconic characters or his most iconic characters and you don't have to watch the full thing because it's pretty long you know it might even be a half hour but skip to 843 when they start to talk about the school of rock because it literally melts my heart you know it's no secret that jack black is you know he's not the best actor in the world you know and i mean that's that's there's nothing wrong with that i mean obviously people like will ferrell and uh, Adam Sandler don't necessarily get any like critical recognition, but I think even in the comedy realm, um, he might not be to that standard. Um, his movies have a history of not doing well in the box office. Um, I mean, Kung Fu Panda's great and stuff, but I mean, do people necessarily take Jack Black super seriously? Maybe not. Um, but they to, should. But to hear him talk about the School of Rock and how. You know, he basically says it's like the one time in his career where he feels like he was meant here to like do a role and just like how much that movie means to him makes it. I are, that's already just one of my favorite movies and hearing that just literally melts my soul. So go ahead and pull that up if you guys haven't uh, seen it already. Um, Alan, you know, you, you gave us a little tease earlier. I'm going to pass things to you and you, you give us uh, an album. What's your recommendation? Yeah. Let me pull it up on the screen share for you guys, but I've been really vibing with this band called uh, Karungbin. Yeah. Have you guys heard of them? I've seen, I've seen them live. What? No, you have not. Yeah, they opened up for Leon Bridges when I saw them. Dude, yeah, and they, they worked on Texas Sun. Yes, Dude, sir. Um, I've been listening to their whole discography over the past 48 hours, and I actually was introduced to them about six months ago with this song called Evan Finds a Third Room. And they're mostly instrumental. Um, there's a little couple word drops here and there, but it is, and I mean this in the most positive way, the best background music you could ever imagine. And it's just so peaceful and so amazingly put together. Probably already creeping up in some of my favorite artists, their favorite artist uh, slash band right now, and I've just really been liking a lot of their music recently. So I'm gonna the rest of this weekend I'll have that thrown on and I'll be vibing with that. But if I had to recommend an album, Con Todo al Mundo by them, 2018, uh, amazing. Karungbin shouts out three times for three people. Check it out. Drummer also never misses a beat. He's like a, a robot. It's ridiculous. I've watched like 10 live performances already. Wow. So get on it, Luca. D's already in on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm late to the party on this one. Uh, D, what is your uh, your album? How do you top that? I gotta say, that's a, that's a good pull. That's a really good pull. I, uh, for me, I, there's only one that I thought of when you asked to do this because generally I feel like I listen to a lot of the same music and I just kind of cycle through it. But recently... I checked out a new album, an album that came out back in June by an artist that I hadn't listened to a ton of. 
or by a group I hadn't listened to a ton of, and I have not stopped listening to it since. Um, that is Women in Music Part 3 by Haim, and it is very good for a, uh, even now, even more now, a, a especially dark year. This is a, a very like light and fun album, feels very summer, and there's just there's just a lot of songs that come on and they play and you're like, ah, I gotta hear that one more time. Uh, specifically, the song I like the most off of it is probably 3am, but it's like a mix. There's like some upbeat, poppy stuff, and then there's like some straight up kind of ballads. It's a group of three sisters, they make music together. And it's really good stuff. I recommend it to anybody who likes like alternative. Really, if you like anything along those lines, I think you'll be able to get into some, at least a few of the songs on this album because it's really good. Wow. You guys are both coming up strong. Man, you're coming up with new stuff that I've never heard of either of the things you guys brought up. Well, good. You better get to work. I'm sick of this. You're you're just not pulling your weight. I think whoa, whoa. <laughs> I think you'll uh, I think you'll enjoy some at least some of the stuff on the Heim album for sure, especially 3 a.m. I'm excited. You think you'll like Krungbin, uh D or what's going on? You think? Yeah, like they've that? got some good. They got some really good. Vibes. It's just groovy. He gets down exactly. He can, yeah, he'll absolutely like that. Yeah, I could. He'll send you a Snapchat of him like dancing in one of the songs <laughs> in at least forty-eight hours. I can't. You better, or else I'm pissed. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, my album, you know, you guys brought the new stuff. I'm gonna throw it back a little bit, but put a little twist oh. on it. So recently, my dad turned fifty, so he's for sure been on my mind. Um, I Happy made a day shout out. Yeah. Shouts out to shouts out to that dog. My dog. That dog. Um, Are they here? Oh, okay. Well, now my sister and everyone's here. I'm going to go outside again. So, <laughs> welcome back to nature. Nature. Welcome back to nature. Do we hear from those dogs, though, is the question. Um, I think those dogs. There was a person outside and they took their dog inside, so hopefully not. Okay. Shout out to that dog. All right. Well, nature's back. My dad's been on my mind recently, and I was at work the other day, and I thought, you know what? You know. Uh, while I'm playing music on Spotify, I want to make a new playlist. And I'm going to call it the Jar Collection. So I I just started, you know, dropping songs that remind me of my dad. You know, by the time it's done, it's probably going to be like 2,000 songs. So it's probably a stupid idea. Um, but while I was doing it, you know, of course, I'm, I'm pretty much going alphabetically. And obviously, uh, one of the first bands that pop up is the Beatles. And I'm going through, and if there's one album that reminds me of my dad maybe more than any other album um not only is it let it be but it is specifically not the studio released let it be but it is the the version titled naked so it's like a real stripped down version um if you guys haven't listened to that and you've only listened to the original let it be album um, definitely give it a listen. You know, uh, maybe it's just because that's what I grew up listening to was the naked CD that we always had in the car, but I think it's way better. Um, I think it only keeps the All best right. of the best and that those versions of the songs are, um, just a thousand times better than the original. Um, but what do I know? You know, I'm just a 23 year old who can't read. All right. Now we're <laughs> recommending movies. On, well, honestly, really fast, I was just going to say, as, as I've been getting older, I've respect, I've grown a, a newfound respect for the Beatles, and I've been listening to a lot of their classics hey. more recently. Yeah. 
Do you care I'm, if I'm I send you uh, a couple of uh, song suggestions? Go ahead and link me there, Poppy. Run it. Run it. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been letting you guys start the, each recommendation, so I guess for this last one, I'll go first. Um, okay. Let one of you guys close it out. Um, you can debate on who has the best, you know, whoever's got the, the best movie recommendation can go last, but, uh, you know, I've got two. One is kind of silly. Uh, I recently was babysitting with Avery, and we watched this movie three times in the same day. Cool. Um, not the best movie by any means, but it's a story that uh, the themes of it still go strong today. It's a phenomenal Dr. Seuss book and a pretty okay uh, recreation of that story. Uh, that is The Lorax. Boo. With Danny no, DeVito as The Lorax. Danny DeVito, the god, a.k.a. director of Matilda, but go on. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely his finest work for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I think anything the studio does, it's like, you know, everything Pixar does is just so good that, like, any time that this studio releases something, whether it's, like, their adaptation of The Grinch or The Lorax, it's like, it always just gets uh, thrown in the background. And I think that a lot of these movies are, are are strong. You know, I love The Despicable Me's, and I, you know, I... Small foot. I remember being in theaters and seeing the trailer for Minions and being, you know, laughing. Uh, no, The Lorax is for sure at least a solid film, but with the news of Chadwick Boseman, it'd be a shame for me not to mention... Um, watching the Five Bloods, Spike Lee's movie, um, without even hearing that news, I honestly think it's the best movie that's come out so far this year. Um, not that he's in it a lot, but I, it is my favorite Chadwick Boseman performance. Um, so for the kid-friendly audience, you know, give the Lorax a shot. If you haven't seen it, you just, you know, want to kill an hour and 20. Um, but yeah, definitely the Five Bloods is, is the one um, that I would suggest. Uh, you guys okay. take it away. Uh, D, mind if I go? That's fine. All right. Um, I've really been slacking on my movie game recently. I started so strong this year. About five months in, I was still kind of hoping to hit 365 for the year. But shit happens. I move. Work came off the stay-at-home order, and that shit sucks. But what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That being said, the most recent thing I've watched is a documentary that's on Apple TV+, Plus. so I understand that a lot of people aren't going to be able to watch it. But if you can find the hookup, uh, a documentary that came out literally two weeks ago called Boys State was quite amazing. I, um, I heard you reference that to me, actually. Yes, it's super interesting. It's about... Um, seniors i believe or just teenage boys in general like 500 go to there's different states that take part in this but like this one's in texas and they go to the state capitol and they form two parties and basically uh elect a mayor really yeah or like a president um and they you know they have to have a platform and it's kind of official in that way but it just kind of actually highlights all the problems within politics and why there's so many things wrong and just how nasty boys in general can be and why the politics system is very scary in America. And it's probably one of the most hilarious uh, horror movies I've ever seen, even though it's a documentary and I'd highly recommend super interesting stuff. And I really respect the directors for making a piece like this in real time or not in real time, but like how they had concurrent storylines within this and just super interesting. I'd highly recommend only it's an hour and 
uh, nine minutes or what the hell am I saying? Hour thirty. What no. streaming service is it on? It's on hour forty nine. Sorry, Apple TV. Oh, okay. So it's just pretty. That's the most recent thing I've watched, and I'd recommend it. That I know it's kind of a cop out, but I didn't have to dig deep. But I did a lot of work for that album, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> my phone in for the day. Okay, uh, D, let's uh, close things out for us. Um, there was a couple different directions I almost went. You know, there's some stuff that's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, a couple that I know specifically that Nick really likes as well, so it would have worked to oh. talk about. Um, but I'm not going to go with either of those. Those ones probably would have been Last Black Man in San Francisco and yep. Her. Yep. Uh, just know that those are well, fantastic. Just, why don't you guys just start dating at this listen, point? Honestly, listen, listen, two listen, of the best movies listen. ever made. Let's go. <laughs> literally, literally. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna talk. I want to talk just about something that I know Luca hasn't seen. I don't know if Nick has seen it. But uh, it's just been on my mind a lot. And even I watched it like a month ago. And it's just lately it's been on my mind a lot. I want to talk about Paris, Texas. Oh, oh yeah. So uh, this movie came out in 1984, I believe. And uh, it's just it's been something that I can't stop thinking about. You know, the movie is about a guy. He's he disappeared for four years. Nobody in his family saw him. And then all of a sudden he shows up and his brother comes and gets him. And then he kind of is getting reacclimated with his family and his son. And it's just, it's such a beautiful movie about like what pain and what like pain with family specifically can do to a person. And I think this movie is worth watching alone for like the last 45 to 30 minutes, because that is one of the most gripping scenes, even though it's just two people talking on a phone, looking through glass. I've never seen anything like it. And it's honestly one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in a movie that they were able to like, literally like the whole movie, you don't really know what happens. And then it all just kind of slowly unfolds. And there's this huge emotional reckoning and it just feels so good. And I think that's why I keep thinking about it because it, the movie did not end up where I thought it was going to end up. But like, in a way I'm really glad that it was what it was and, I don't know. It's just a really beautiful story about a guy who is trying to come to grips with a rough thing that really happened in his past, and it's 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 amazing. I can't. I agree. I can't praise it more. And the thing is, too, like an hour into that movie, I was like, "All right, it looks amazing." Like Robert Mueller, yeah, Robert Mueller, like absolutely killed it behind the camera and everything like that. But I'm like, I don't really get the story so far. It's like such a slow burn, but the last hour or 40 minutes or whatever it is of this movie is some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen. Some of the best acting. It's, it's so perfect and just watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Not that I've seen it by any means, um, but shit, I'll probably throw it on after we're done recording. Um, Me too. I did see a poster for this movie, and it was one of the coolest movie posters I've ever seen. D, I think I sent it to you specifically. You did, um, yeah. It's good. I'll have to send that your way, Nick. But no, Paris, yeah, Texas. Um, it's a yeah. I mean, it's you were talking about fatherhood. That's a big, big theme in that movie, and I think that, or like you were just talking about your relationship with your dad. So actually, I kind of work together in some weird way. But yeah, I recommend that to anybody who kind of wants to like sit down and watch something and feel something for like a little bit. It's nice. 
Also, uh, I just want to say really fast, just to interject, um, the cinematographer of Paris, Texas, Robbie Muller, um, has some incredible Polaroids that he's taken. He's, I think he's passed away now, but um, really interesting stuff. And there's some, some articles out there following the Polaroids that they discovered after he had already passed. Or wait, yeah. Oh, he died two years ago. That's more recent than I thought. Um, would highly recommend checking those out. He's just had a, a really good eye, and he captures like different perspectives in ways people wouldn't think about. And I, I, yeah, he's just a good dude. Uh, I've only seen Paris, Texas of his work, but I really need to get on it because I've heard nothing but legendary things about him. But yeah, Paris, Texas looks incredible. Yep. Listen, I want to thank you guys for both coming on. Before we end here, uh, there was a game that I suggested to D earlier, and then I voted against it, but now that we're here, um, I want to end it just by playing one round. And I'm not going to tell Nick what the game is, and we're just going to let him uh, do it for us to close out the pod. Um, Nick, first, hit me with name any location. Be very specific. Okay. Do I have? Am I being timed, or can I hold? Can I think really fast? You got ten seconds. How specific are we talking? I uh, like, for example, um, it. You couldn't just say a hotel. You'd have to say like the elevator of a hotel. Dude, or... you just you just took. I was gonna say the elevator at the Cherryvale Mall for some reason, Should which you... is the Rockford Mall. Any any location, go. Something cinematic. Oh, don't use that word, dude. Um, okay, what about um, what about a, a, a enclosed pool? So a screened-in pool in Kissimmee, Florida, in a gated community, but it's kind of a house that's like decently nice, but not enough to be into a gated community. How about that? I like that you have that so clear in your head. Yeah, because uh, that's where I used to vacation. Yeah. Give give me any actor in history or actress. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Okay. Nick. Yes. Your job to end the pod is to give me the elevator pitch of a movie set in the setting you gave us, starring John C. Riley and John Cena. Go. This is too easy. Okay. So, ready for this? John C. Riley is stuck in an enclosed pool that's covered by a screen, but this is in slightly in the future, and the entire screen is one of those fly trappers that zaps you if you touch it. Um, so he's locked in; he can't get out. John Cena is in the enclosure with him, but he's invisible because you can't see him, and he's actually in the pool. And the whole movie's a horror comedy of him trying to escape this enclosure with a John Cena trying to murder him inside of it. It's a short film, though. 15 minutes. Uh, I mean, sign me up. I don't yeah, think people any... Would see it. People would watch it. Don't get me wrong. I swear to God, you put a decent trailer out there. <laughs> Have the script on my desk by you'd tomorrow. Make, you'd make 15 mil easy off that little short film if you screen that bad boy. Honestly, you know, we I could talk about that for another half hour. Um, I don't think anything That was one of the more said. incredible things I've ever that heard fast, in my entire too? life. I think it took you longer to pick a location than to come up with the plot of that movie. I needed to get a feeler for it, but for some reason my mind instantly went to the story before you even said it. So that's why we had some good speed there. You know, and that's why we pay you the big bucks for coming on the pod. Nick, yep. thank you. D, no 
Thank you. I'm glad to have you guys it's on again. Um, until next time. Had a great time. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. See ya. It.